What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another show. And it's a it's going to be a fun one because Lamar Jackson got tagged and now is in trade rumors. So we're going to be talking about it both from his aspect and the 49ers aspect. But before that, got to uh, address my special guest here because Ryan Hensley, second time back on the show. How you doing, man? I'm um, great, man. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. I feel like I, I always invite you because uh, I love your takes. I love getting you on. So uh, it's nice to come on here sometimes so I, I can answer questions and not be the interviewer. So I appreciate you having me on. Exactly. And I mean, uh, I'm definitely excited to hear your perspective because you, like you said, you're normally the interviewer. So definitely interested to hear your perspective on the quarterback situation, which I know you have some pretty good thoughts on, uh, regardless of Lamar Jackson being there or not. And I think that that's where I want to start. Um, kind of bef- without Lamar Jackson in the picture, Give me your take on the quarterback situation right now with the uncertainty with Brock Purdy. Uh, obviously, his surgery scheduled for Friday. The uncertainty looming, potentially uh, Tommy John even in the in the realm of possibilities on Friday. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Friday is going to be a big day for the 49ers, and that's going to determine how they approach this offseason, particularly with a backup quarterback position. That's uh, probably the main thing that's going to change depending on what happens on Friday. If if Brock Purdy ends up having a six month timeline, uh, then they can just find, you know, a third third string quarterback, emergency type quarterback. If this is like a hybrid surgery or Tommy John's full surgery, that's anywhere from nine to nine months to not playing next season. Right. So, right. That would be humongous if, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens on Friday because that's going to determine a lot. Uh, in the way they approach this offseason because, you know, the chips are going to fall from there. Dominoes are going to fall from there, right? If they have to sign an expensive backup quarterback, that's going to affect what they do in every other way, right? Can they make big signings? Can they bring back guys like Jimmy Ward if they want to? Can they, you know, be more uh, aggressive in free agency? It's all dependent on this surgery on Friday with Brock Purdy. I think so, too. I I think so. And in a way – uh, that's going to be news for the 49ers. Are they looking for QB2 or are they looking for QB3? That uh, Brock Purdy surgery essentially answers that question. And I think at the moment the 49ers have a clear directive. You've got one quarterback who's going to be healthy really until week one. He's going to be the, Trey Lance. He's going to be that guy on roster right now. He's mm-hmm. the guy who, if you've said you're committed to both quarterbacks that you have on your roster, he's the guy who should end up starting week one at the moment. However, again, we don't know what Brock Purdy's uh, status is. And now we're hearing even uh, like top beat writers on the team come out and say it's Trey Lance's team, which kind of gives you an indication of what the situation currently looks like. Yeah. I mean, I've been, uh, I've been saying that since uh, Brock Purdy went down. Like I, yeah. I just, it's not something that you can just imagine. Okay. He's going to bounce back, be hundred percent ready to go week one. It just, it just, it doesn't make sense. Even if you had the surgery a month ago, I still thought this was Trey Lance's team because he's going to be there in OTAs, he's going to be in their training camp. He's going to be there through preseason. And I feel like Kyle Shanahan inside, like whether he comes out to it, to the what Grant calls the Cabo click or not, I feel like, you know, he, Trey Lance is his guy. He wants to see him. 49ers typically start slow. There's nothing wrong with him using this as an opportunity. Okay, unfortunately, Brock Purdy's hurt. 
And this is an opportunity for him to go to the team, go to the fans, and explain why he's going to give Trey Lance a shot. I think he wants to give Trey Lance a shot. I think he wants to see what he has there. They invested a ton of draft capital in Trey Lance. They still have no idea who he is as a quarterback. And at some point, they need to see it. And so, uh, you know, nobody wishes injury upon anybody, but it could be a blessing in disguise for Trey Lance. And if it works out for the entire fan base, because I think if Brock Purdy was 100% healthy, never was injured, it's his job to start. Now there's pluses and minuses with that, with this team. Uh, like I said, the 49ers traditionally start slow. I saw some information today saying Kyle Shanahan, or who was it exactly? No, it was the offensive coordinator for the Texans uh, that, that worked under, what's his name? I can't remember the guy's name. Start uh, you're saying uh, Slowick? Slowick. So Slowick gave an interview. I don't know if you saw it, but he was talking about why it took the 49ers so long to you know, catch their stride. And really what he said it was was the coaching transfer the change of coaching uh coaches come and go in this in on this team every year and that's happened again this year and Sloak was talking about how it took them a while as a coaching staff to figure out how they're going to get this offense clicking I could see it happening again so Trey Lance starting he's gonna have to overcome a lot there's a new coaching a lot of coaching changes so based on the last couple years it's imaginable that they could start slow again and Trey Lance is going to have to overcome and earn the spot if that's the case while their offense in general, including the players and the staff, the coaching staff, are starting slow. So he's going to have to overcome that. <clears throat> now, if he's unable to do that, uh, then that opens the door for Brock Purdy to jump back in and, and take his spot. So it's almost advantageous to not be the starter in some ways for this team. So it's going to be interesting, man. Yeah, and the one thing I do want to give Kyle Shanahan credit for when you talk about the quarterback situation is Kyle Shanahan has showcased an ability to stick with that starter. Sometimes it's been to a fault, and sometimes you know, you've know you wanted him to move on. Be it Jimmy Garoppolo in 2021 when Trey Lance was knocking on the door, Kyle Shanahan has publicly acknowledged Trey Lance was – like in that competition, he got first team reps in training camp in 2021, and he was in the competition until Garoppolo pulled away right at the end of camp, and then Lance injured his finger, essentially deeming him unable to play. And then he even acknowledged Lance was going to potentially start if the 49ers had a slide come week seven, but he had the ankles uh, or the knee sprain. And mm-hmm. so he's he's acknowledged it, but he's also stuck with his guy. Uh, understanding the chemistry that's required. And he last year publicly stated multiple times, regardless of what uh, what happens with Jimmy, Lance is going to be our guy. And when Jimmy got signed back, he said the only way Jimmy's coming into the game is because of injury. And while that's not necessarily the best situation to have with your backup quarterback, publicly saying it, it's a firm confirmation of the starter. And maybe you can, I mean, I've blamed Kyle Shanahan for sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo for as long as he did. But he has shown confidence that when a starting quarterback is there, placing the confidence that you have in that starter. And I think that that's something that should go to Trey Lance's benefit. At this moment, it's Trey Lance's job to lose. Whenever he loses the grasp of his job, it's up to him, really, and his play. I think his play is going to indicate it. And the 49ers have shown a willingness, both in Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, to stick through young quarterback mistakes, to to allow them to work through the mistakes, understanding that their roster and, well, in 2023, their division sets them up to have success. 
And so to me, I think that's a huge thing. And I think that that's going to allow Trey Lance to grow into this 2023 season where I know you and I have confidence to him to grow to where the playoffs come. And that's the reason you drafted Trey Lance. I've said it multiple times. You haven't, you didn't draft Trey Lance to see regular season improvement. You drafted Trey Lance because come playoff time, when you need those plays to be made, you have a quarterback who has the potential to make those plays based on his archetype, based on the traits that he possesses. And that's something that Jimmy Garoppolo, frankly, didn't possess because of his lack of willingness to throw the deep ball, because of the issues that we've seen in the playoffs. And so to me, that's what you're grooming Trey Lance for. Those, uh, Or even if it's Brock Purdy, if Brock Purdy proves to be the guy and Trey Lance doesn't, that's what you're grooming those rookie quarterbacks for. It's to get those guys in that moment so that when those moments occur, you have a quarterback who's ready and who can show improvement to where the 49ers can achieve their end goal. Yeah, I mean, this whole thing is a little bit ridiculous with the negativity when it comes to Trey Lance. I mean, everyone right. who had... I mean, it, anyone with half a brain, excuse me, but anyone with half a brain knew that Trey Lance was going to take time to develop. So the fact that we're judging him without time is just, it's weird to me. Like who, who thought Trey Lance was going to come in week one and be a fully refined quarterback? I didn't. And if somebody did, I think they're just tripping for lack of better words, right? Like nobody should have expected that. Uh, and so for judging him off three and a quarter starts is it's a bit just irrational. It makes no sense. Um, so Trey Lance needs experience. And the interview that uh, Marco had with the fellow from, what was it, SG2 is the name? Yeah, Brandon Alley from S2 uh, Cognition. Yeah, yeah, that did nothing but reaffirm my belief in Trey Lance. It, talking about how guys that score um, where Brock Purdy and Trey Lance scored uh, – have an opportunity to become elite quarterbacks. If you're not in that range, you don't have that opportunity. And he also talked about how playing experience would do nothing but help Trey Lance. And that score would probably be higher if he had a, the same amount of experience as Brock Purdy did. Not that it was a bad score, but that the lack of his experience prevented him from reaching higher limits on that score. So, I mean, I, there's nothing that makes me doubt Trey Lance outside of, you know, can he stay healthy in this offense based on what Kyle Shanahan wants to do? You know, I was debating Rob Guerrero this morning, and I invited him on my show. So we're gonna we're gonna have the uh, the debate on Friday on the show. But uh, it appears that there is a total of, if you look at all the runs that went to Trey Lance, not including kneel downs, not including quarterback sneaks, it's still seven designed. I believe, yes, yeah, somewhere around there. Like 21, yeah. 23, 22, 23. I, I, if you're, if you're including the Arizona game, correct? Yes. So 23 yeah. design runs, not including sneaks, not including kneel downs, 23 design runs divided by 3.25 games is seven per game. That that's too much, right? My opinion is run them twice a game, give those other five carries to a running back and let Trey Lance play quarterback. That's how he's going to develop. That's how he's going to get better. And that's how he's going to stay healthy. A lot of people say, Hey, it doesn't matter. You can get hurt in the pocket. Well, of course you can. You can get hurt on any play. You can get hurt not touching anybody. But right. common sense will tell you you're in more danger at more risk when you run up the middle. And that's just not my words. That's Kyle Shanahan's words as well. He's on video saying that if you run up the middle, that's how you get killed, particularly if you're Trey Lance, who's a straight-up runner. He doesn't get his pad level low. He's not Frank Gore. He's going to put himself in a dangerous situation. So for me, it's crucial. All Trey Lance needs is time, experience, reps, and a reduction of those dangerous, higher-risk plays that Kyle Shannon put him in in his uh, first three and a quarter starts. 
I think that that's fair, especially for the Arizona game. I know we've had the debate on Trey Lance, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to say that I'm against the necessary usage, maybe the way that he was utilized, but I'm not going to say I was necessarily against it because I thought it would enhance his development if he was in more comfortable environments like that based on what I've seen. But also when you talk about it, if Trey Lance is used like he was used in the Houston game, which is what I envisioned he'd be using that Seattle game had he not got injured, I'm fine with that. Where it's mm-hmm. around four designed runs, a total of I think it was a total of eight runs, including the scrambles and things like that. I'm fine with that because these scrambles, you're less likely to get hurt because you're putting yourself in an environment where you essentially dictate where you're running and when you're running. I think that that's a fine environment, and Lance has shown capable of doing it. I think that honestly, he that's when his instinct kicks in a little better. He's got to be he's got to be a little better as a runner, which comes obviously with experience. You, you talked about the pad level. He needs to run a little lower uh, so that he can utilize a little more of the the strength that he has down uh, in, in his lower body. But to me, I do think that if you utilize a game plan like that, Trey Lance with experience should be more proficient, both as a passer and as a runner. I think where I'm not going to say limit the amount of runs because I do think that what we saw this year, I understand that Lance ran, I think it was, I forget the exact amount of the Chicago game, on designed runs, but the look itself of these the, the zone read was so prolific for San Francisco's offense. They ran the they ran at a 5.8 yards per uh, yards per carry clip with Trey Lance in at quarterback over the first five quarters of the year, and that's what the 49ers and their run first philosophy teams expecting them to run. They he had they had teams with six one fronts looking to stop the run and they ran for 5.8 yards per carry with the majority coming from the running backs. Why? Because Trey Lance is in at quarterback. You have to respect the run. And that's how the Eagles have also kind of been proficient. I'm not going to say Trey Lance is the runner that Jalen Hurts is, but he isn't uh, because he isn't. But if you showcase what uh, that's the reason you draft him is because when you have a, uh, that zone read system, it makes your running backs even more proficient. And that's why we're so excited to see what happens when Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, I'm not going to say limit Trey Lance's runs, but I think if you incorporate a game plan like the Houston game where you have four maybe designed runs or something like that, four scrambles, um, I think that that's beneficial for Lance. It's maximizing his output by utilizing the correct formations, but also utilizing the entirety of your skill set, uh, your weapons, uh, which makes your quarterback better. See, I'm okay with using Trey Lance as a threat of the run. So mm-hmm. two to three design runs a game, I'm I'm totally fine with. It's not only the amount, which to me is a problem because the more you get hit, the more likely you are to get injured. So to me, it is I do want to limit how much he runs in design runs. I don't mind scrambling. That's part of playing quarterback. Scramble all you want. Sneak all you want. Those things are fine to me. But it's not just the amount. It's how and it's when. When it's second and eight in the first quarter, I don't I don't think that's a smart time to use Trey Lance. I feel like you, know, you, you brought up how they were 5.8 yards per carry. That that wasn't Trey Lance. His numbers, his his being a threat to run, allowed right. those running backs to to reach those levels. But Trey Lance himself, he's probably the fourth or fifth best runner on the team. So using him as a threat to be a, a runner is great. But you don't do it on second and eight. You, you do it when it makes sense. You do it after you've ran the ball uh, to Elijah Mitchell and CMC over and over again. And now Trey Lance can take off and have some room. Towards the outside, I think it's how you use them. I think it's how much you use them, and I think it's when you use them. Like, does it make sense to to do that in the first quarter, second, and eight? I don't think it does. 
I, I can understand what you mean in that, you know, second and eight, it doesn't seem like the most favorable running situation. I do know, think second and long. Um, I mean, some analytics showcase that when the Eagles utilize second and long with those QB draw type of plays, it does create a little more. Uh, but I can understand where you're coming from. I do think, though, that there is a, an importance to where you need to have the threat, but to have the threat, you also have to run, which is why I'm saying the Houston game where you have those four whatever designed runs it was, mm-hmm. something like that, when Trey Lance is a little more proficient as a passer where, you know, you can take off the training wheels where I think that was like his third start or second start, right, when he was still dealing with a broken finger. Uh, I think that when he's a little more proficient, it just would- increases the – uh, entirety of his game. Do you know, and maybe you don't know, because maybe I, I, this is the first time I've asked, because I would love to know, <clears throat> and I could find out, but out of those four design runs you're talking about, was that in the first half or the second half? Because they were scoreless uh, in the first half, and it wasn't until the second half when it felt like it was, it feels like from memory, I'd have to go back and look, but it feels mm-hmm. like those runs were the first half of the game. I'm pretty sure quarter. two of the design runs were in the first quarter, and then they didn't call a designed run until the third quarter, if I'm if I remember correctly. So they had two in the first, and then two, I believe, in the third quarter, um, which were okay. in similar packages. Yeah, okay. where That's interesting. it was, it's, yeah, it was similar to the Seattle game this year, which I, or at least the expectation that I had, in which he had three designed runs in the first. Uh, in that first quarter, and then they were going to first go play drive. action after play action after play action after play action, uh, which was, I think, Garoppolo's first four passes or first three of the four passes came off of play action where you are because they're selling out against the run. And mm-hmm. I think that that's that was the that was the formula that they were going to use in you establish the run. You're averaging nine yards per carry. And that's why I'm like I'm personally. Not. I was pissed when Trey Lance gets injured because you understand what you're setting up there. And it was, I think he was going to be put in a great place for success there because those four throws that Garoppolo had for the touchdown drive were wide open because of Seattle selling out against the run because of how successful it was. And and here's one thing too, Ron, where where I'm really, I think everyone agrees that the quarterback is, excuse me, the quarterback is the most important position. On right. an NFL team. We all agree upon that, right? The NFL agrees on that because they set all these uh, rules in place to protect quarterbacks. Um, when you lose your quarterback, you're screwed, right? You got to have a good quarterback. 49ers spent, again, three first-rounders and a third on them. Uh, they're paying them quite a bit of money to not do everything you can to protect that asset is – irresponsible in my opinion I, it, that's what i don't understand brock purdy's a pretty quick guy why they're not running brock purdy I, I don't understand why they just think because he was able to do it at north dakota state that he was able to run through the middle run over guys at north dakota state that he can transition and do that in the nfl against nfl defenses it just doesn't make sense to me i just feel like there has to be a calculation of risk versus reward for Trey Lance. Fair. And yeah. it, it just had, they have to do a better job of making sure they do everything they can to keep him healthy because quarterbacks are the number one position, the most important position on any team in the NFL. No, I agree. I think that that's fair that you, you want to make sure that you invest in that uh, protect the asset pretty much because he's a third overall pick and yeah. we'll see what the 49ers do with that this offseason but speaking on that quarterback situation I do think that this is a good point to transition because 
there's another quarterback on the market that I've talked about that is a very valuable quarterback, a guy not necessarily similar to Trey Lance, but a dual-threat quarterback in himself, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Before we talk about the details of what it would require with the 49ers in that situation, would you – like, just just tell me, would you want Lamar Jackson on your team? Because we've heard a lot about people saying, oh, man, he can't throw enough. He can't do this. He can't do that. Set the record straight. <laughs> I, the 49ers have not won a Super Bowl since the last elite quarterback they had, which was Steve Young. Before that was Joe right. Montana. They have not won a Super Bowl since they had an elite quarterback. Lamar Jackson is an elite quarterback. He's a true dual threat quarterback. I look at him differently from, from Trey Lance because he's one of the most athletic quarterbacks we've seen. He is quick. He's fast. He can run. He can throw. He can do it all. He was an MVP of the NFL for a reason. Uh, of course, I, I want Lamar Jackson if we could get him. I don't know how realistic it is, but if we could get Lamar Jackson, no question. I would, as much as I believe in Trey Lance's potential, as much as I like what Brock Purdy was able to do, I would trade both of those guys in a heartbeat. I would trade Nick Bosa. I would trade a first first round draft pick next year if we could get Lamar Jackson. That is a very interesting take, and I agree with you in that Lamar Jackson is a special talent, and you. I mean, elite quarterbacks are the baseline to successful teams. Lamar Jackson, you look at his winning record. I don't correlate wins with uh with uh what do you call it with a, like as a quarterback stat, but you look mm -hmm. at his winning record with the supporting cast that he's been dealt and the system that he's been dealt. Lamar Jackson has done a pretty damn good job winning MVP. Uh, I mean, uh, obviously Baltimore plays to his rushing strengths, but I don't think they play very well to his um to his receipt uh, like passing strengths because of the system that he's incorporated in the Greg Roman system, 49ers fans pretty, uh, uh, they know that pretty well with um, Colin Kaepernick and Greg Roman back in the San Francisco days. But, but Lamar Jackson is a top tier talent. You never see these top tier talents really hit the open market. Got franchise tagged. It's the non-exclusive tag. For those of you guys that don't know, it's a little lower than the exclusive franchise tag. It allows other teams to negotiate with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens can match. If not, they get two first-round picks. This is actually pretty common. Uh, I think all players this year were given the uh, non-exclusive franchise tag because it's rare that teams will pay two first-round picks for non-quarterbacks, hence why you tag them and you get them at a lower rate. But also, the teams that do pay two quarterbacks, you have the ability to match. You let essentially let other teams do the negotiating for you. And so that's why uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting situation. I want to ask you, we've heard maybe – five teams come out publicly already and a couple of other teams and rumors essentially saying they're not going to go in the Lamar Jackson uh, sweepstakes. What were your initial thoughts to that? Well, he's expensive and it's risky, right? There's two things in regards to Lamar Jackson and I just don't, you know, if you're calculating risk, if I'm an owner, maybe I am a little bit more cautious than I am as a fan. It's easy for me to say, yeah, go get him," you know, right. and just because I want to see it. But is it the smartest move from a risk standpoint? I don't know necessarily, right? Lamar Jackson, that's the thing. The one knock I have on Lamar Jackson is the same reason I knock Kyle Shanahan for running Trey Lance because the way he plays quarterback is not um, its not a formula for longevity in the NFL. Now, I think Lamar Jackson gets a little bit – so he's very elusive. He's quick. He's a small running back. He's – or he's a small runner when he's running. He's a quarterback, but when he's running, he's he's small. He's elusive. He knows how to avoid contact. All these things are a little different from what Trey Lance is. So I don't look at him with the same risk that I see with Trey Lance. 
Uh, I don't think Lamar breaks his ankle on that play that Trey Lance breaks his ankle because he's probably lowered to the ground. He's already on his way down when that tackle happens. But he is runs a lot, and that's dangerous to invest in for your franchise quarterback, especially at that price point that he's going to cost. So, I mean, I can understand why some of these teams are hesitant. But as a fan, as somebody would love to just see Lamar Jackson, Kyle Shanahan, and CMC, Debo go crazy, like I, I would love to see it. And I- What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. I would do it, you know, but I, I can understand why there's there's hesitancy. I think a lot of these quarterbacks are getting paid way too much. Now, Lamar Jackson's probably worth it, you know. DJ Jones, you know, Smith, Deshaun Watson, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I, I spoke about this privately with some people yesterday, but I'm pro player. But when mm-hmm. I got it, when I I got a tip, not necessarily tip my cap, but this is a very smart move by the Baltimore Ravens. They've understood that they're in an impasse with Lamar Jackson, who yeah. does not have an agent at the moment and is negotiating these deals on his own. They understand they're at an impasse. They're letting Lamar Jackson test the open market to showcase what his market is, understanding that if he wants a fully guaranteed deal, he won't get it on the open market. Why? It's not because GMs won't pay him. It's because owners don't want that standard. Owners, I mean, there was a not – people weren't happy when Deshaun Watson, with his allegations, got $230 fully guaranteed on a five-year deal, which was – in my opinion, insane. I mean, it's insane the way yeah. that he got that deal under his circumstances, but also getting that deal itself. That's that. And so props to Lamar Jackson. I mean, I don't think that it's wrong in him to seek it. I'm always going to be pro player in that, in that regard. But um, it, it is a good move by the Baltimore Ravens because the likelihood is if he signs a tender with another team, they are going to offer him a not fully guaranteed deal. Now the amount of guarantees in that deal, that's in, uh, that'll depend. Tyler Murray got 185.189.5 million. Does Lamar Jackson top that? I think he should. He probably gets 200 million guaranteed, but who's going to pay him that? And that's the mm-hmm. big question. You talk about the risk, right? And I think the big contract is definitely it'll definitely be a risk for a player like Lamar Jackson. Now is it worth it? I personally believe so, but I wonder who's going to end up shelling that money. The biggest thing to me is the Ravens understand that they can match any deal. And so they're letting other teams do the negotiating for them. Which is why I think you're seeing some teams initially back out because they understand they have quarterbacks. And we've seen this situation, this delicate situation play out already uh, last year when the Browns went out and got Deshaun Watson. What happened immediately after that? 
when they were in, left in the aftermath, break, Baker Mayfield said, I'm not playing for you again, requested a trade. And they had to deal with that, paying $10 million for him to play elsewhere. And so mm-hmm. I think teams understand that they have starting quarterbacks, not necessarily good starting quarterbacks, uh, but they have starting quarterbacks and they have to tread the situation lightly because when you go after Lamar Jackson, when you submit that offer sheet, you are committing against your starting quarterback for the year, understanding that the Ravens could very well match since you probably won't pay him a fully guaranteed deal. I think that that's kind of how the situation is going, and that's why I ultimately believe right now Lamar Jackson will end up a Baltimore Raven. Yeah, I think that makes sense. You'd have to find a team of franchises that's known for making rash decisions. Unfortunately, the Cleveland Browns already have Deshaun Watson, so <laughs> – uh, it's going to be a team, a franchise like that. That's why I tweeted out this morning. I don't even know if it's possible because I'm not sure if they have their first rounders anymore. But I tweeted out the Raiders. Seems like a Raider esque mm. move to do. Uh, something they would do. You know, just, let's go all in. I definitely don't think the 49ers are going to get Lamar Jackson, but it's fun to think about. And um, yeah, I mean, I'd be on board for it. I know the. I'm pretty sure 49ers are not going to make that move, and I would be right. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a team like the Raiders or somebody like that or the Browns who have, have, are out of the play now. But if the Browns didn't have Deshaun Watson, I'd be thinking that would be such a Cleveland Brown thing to do, right? Bring in Lamar Jackson over, pay him as much as you can. But, yeah, I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting. That's, what, that's what's great about the offseason. Yeah, no, definitely. And, I mean, when we talk about Lamar Jackson, I think the number one spot should be Atlanta just because they have $66 million in salary cap. What mm-hmm. my personal hope is is Atlanta screws Baltimore by paying them like $50 million in the first year, like front-loading the deal. Get get guarantees that Lamar Jackson won't ask for a new contract and then just front-load the deal so Baltimore can't match it because – Obviously, you can't pay fifty million in the first year with their salary cap, and so yeah. that's kind of that's kind of what I hope Atlanta does. But they've also publicly backed out of it, under, saying that they're not going to be a part of the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe they want one of the rookies in twenty twenty four or something like that. But some good. Let's rookies. talk. Yeah, yeah. there there are. But let's talk yeah. about the hypothetical with the 49ers. Jesse Naylor, uh, one of our good friends, mentioned on Twitter a trade package: Trey Lance, Nick Bosa and a first-round pick next year for Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. It's a hefty deal. Nick mm-hmm. Bosa, obviously, defensive player of the year, maybe a top-five player in the NFL. Would you do that deal for Lamar Jackson? Yes. Yeah, I mean, to me, here's the thing. is like Nick Bosa's great. He's going to be very expensive, and he's a defensive end, uh, pass rusher, edge rusher, right? That position is probably the third most important on, on a team. The first most important on a team is the quarterback 49ers have been without an elite quarterback for a long time. I like Trey Lance's potential. I, you know, I'd hate to see him go. Um, but if we, we can get Lamar Jackson, I'm down. Uh, if we can get Lamar Jackson for Nick Bosa, I'm cool with it. I know a lot of fans are not, they get emotionally attached to players. And again, Bosa's great, but he's an edge rusher. He's not a quarterback. There's a big difference between the impact of a quarterback on a game versus an edge rusher. Uh, I think if an edge rusher has a great day, what he's going to do, he's going to impact you know a handful of plays, five to ten, uh, on a good day. The quarterback has the ball in their hand every single play on offense. So uh, a quarterback is the most important thing to the team. So that's why I tr- I struggle with this. We can't play Trey Lance because we're in a Super Bowl window thing. That's why I've struggled with this this whole time. To me, you're not in a Super Bowl window unless you have a quarterback. And Jimmy Garoppolo was never that quarterback to me. So it just seemed like a waste of time, a wasted year. And as it played out, no Super Bowl rings to speak of. 
So it would have been smart. You know, obviously he got injured, but it would have been smart, in my opinion, to trade Jimmy Garoppolo two years ago, play Trey Lance as much as you can, develop him, and then maybe right now in year three, Trey Lance would have that experience that he needs desperately to where we do have an elite quarterback. As much mm-hmm. as I like Brock Purdy, I don't think he's elite. I think he's a mid-range quarterback. I think he's like a maybe top 15. You know, uh, there's a difference between playing like a top 10 quarterback and being a top 10 quarterback. There were times, particularly in the beginning of Brock Purdy's when he took over, that he was playing like a top quarterback in the NFL. Now, if you really look at numbers and statistics, that slowed down as he went on into the playoffs in particular. He wasn't doing anything tremendously amazing in the playoffs. I think Brock Purdy, even if he doesn't come back with any arm issues or any loss of um, uh, arm strength, right. I think he's a, I think he's a mid a mid quarterback. I think he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I always thought Jimmy was kind of like a twentieth to twenty fourth quarterback. I think Brock Purdy's probably a fifteenth to twentieth quarterback. That's that's just how I see him. I think Trey Lance, with everything he possesses, has the potential. The potential is the key word to be in that top 12 range. Whether he reaches it or not, I don't know. But I don't think Jimmy ever will. I know Jimmy never will. And I honestly don't think Brock ever will. I, I just being honest, and particularly if he comes back with this uh, from this injury with less arm strength than he had before. Right. I mean, it's it's definitely a tough, tough uh, situation to navigate. But I do agree. I mean, we uh... – Trey Lance's potential is pretty high. I mean, when you watch this college tape, you can understand that you refine some of the mechanics, which he's already spent off seasons doing. You refine some of the accuracy issues, uh, aiming, uh, throwing high, throwing wide. When when those get refined, which comes with reps, you might get a project or, or not a project, a prospect who has the ability to throw at all three levels, has the yeah. ability to fit tight windows has the ability to be a dual-threat quarterback. And, you know, you, you you get the full package there with Trey Lance. Obviously, potential is a key word, like you said, but yeah. it's definitely an intriguing option. Now, as yeah. for Lamar Jackson, I think the 49ers probably are Super Bowl favorites if they land Lamar Jackson, even if they trade Nick Bosa. Yeah. That's just how it is, really. Off top. Yeah, no question. Yeah, I think that's that's the case. And then going back to 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 um, uh, to Trey Lance, I thought I saw something that was interesting, man. Um, somebody tweeted out, who was it? If you combine, I like to give people credit where it's due, but I just can't remember who it is right now. But if you combine Trey Lance's passes in high school, college, and the NFL, it's less than Tom Brady last year. Oh, like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Total okay. passing pass attempts. attempts, you mean? Yeah. Pass attempts, yeah. Trey Lance's high school, college, and last and total NFL career is less than Tom Brady. That's in crazy. Last season, by itself. that is wild. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and, and so the, that's the thing is people don't understand is everything that Trey Lance lacks as a quarterback, it's it all can be learned. Whether it's learned or not, I don't know. But it all can be learned with reps, which is what he just doesn't have. Which is what right. they have to get him. Or why the hell did you draft him? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Bothers me. But to get back to Lamar Jackson, if Lamar Jackson's on the 49ers, they are Super Bowl favorites off top, even without Nick Bosa. I mean. Nick Bosa is a great player, but he's he's a pass rusher. It's important, right. but it's not it's not a left tackle. It's not a quarterback. You know, it's it's a pass rusher. And I've brought up the point of how rookie quarterbacks, every in the last six Super Bowls, rookie quarterbacks, there's been one 
on a rookie deal that has made the Super Bowl in each of the six years. However, what's the commonality between all of those players and the quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl or have made it elsewhere? They're top 12 quarterbacks when they were when they were there. Yeah. You might debate Jared Goff in 2018, but he was a damn good quarterback in that system exactly. in 2018. Mm-hmm. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, all of these guys are top quarterbacks. That's the number one thing. You need a top quarterback if you want to win. That's why there's such intrigue about these younger quarterbacks who have the high potential because if they reach the potential, you've got a good quarterback and you can win the Super Bowl. And so to me, yeah, Lamar Jackson, you you do it. I, I do think Nick Bosa is certainly valuable. Obviously, I prefer if the 49ers re-sign Nick Bosa. I think that that's going to be their number one directive. And as for the realisticness, I do agree. I mean, the realisticness is pretty low at the moment just because the 49ers already have salary cap issues. Mm-hmm. which they're going to have to figure out. And if they had Lamar Jackson in mind, maybe they don't do some of the bigger deals that they've done, but they have um, some salary cap uh, concerns. I mean, you could fit it, but they have some salary cap concerns that they'll, the, the, they'll have to figure out. But the main thing is, I mean, do they do they have enough draft capital and can they overwhelm some of the other offers uh, while also having a, a contract that Baltimore is not going to want to match? Understanding yeah. they haven't given out maybe the guarantees that other teams would have given out to that position yeah i I think the likelihood of lamar jackson coming to the 49ers is about five percent i just don't i just don't see it happening at all but it is fun to think about yeah no definitely miliano brings up an interesting question i want to hear your thoughts because we haven't talked ever about this topic Mm -hmm. kyle hesitant to let rookies play through things the reason this is interesting is because to me i remember at the uh at super bowl week at media row week debo samuel recounting his uh, rookie year stories what do you think about Kyle Shanahan the rookie thing are you not necessarily pro Kyle but are you uh are you fine with the way he's handled things or what what do you kind of think about it I think he I think he wastes years and money by not letting rookies play you know the great thing about rookies is they're cheap and so if you're gonna just redshirt every single rookie you're wasting one year of a cheap player so to me, whenever a, a rookie is capable of playing, you need to insert them and you can save money by playing them. You can save money and go after free agents in areas of need. So to me, in general, you want to play rookies as much as you can, whenever you can, whenever possible, because not only is it good for their development, it's good for the overall salary cap because you're saving money playing players that are inexpensive. Um, so in general, yeah, it's frustrating. Like last year, I think I believe Jordan Mer- Jordan Mason led the NFL in yards after contact as a running back. I believe that's accurate. He double checked me. I knew he led he led something in the NFL for running backs. He played phenomenal. There were so many opportunities to run J- Jordan Mason more than they did um, last year, and he's probably going to run a lot this year because he's not a rookie anymore. Um, you know, there are opportunities to throw out Danny Gray in some certain circumstances, excuse me. Um, and he didn't, and you know, there's Sam Womack could have probably stepped in and played a lot last year, but and he didn't. So in general, you know, I try to look at Kyle Shanahan from as fair of a perspective as I can. There's things that I like that he does. There's things I think he does better than anybody in the NFL. Um, there's things that I don't like and, that's one of them to me. I feel like he just needs to believe in some of the younger guys and give them more opportunity. 
I think it's fair for certain cases. I mean, Jordan Mason's a guy who I really vouched for since training camp. I thought he was uh, maybe the second best. I, I don't know exactly what I said, but mm-hmm. if you count Mitchell or not, he he was up there. I mean, I thought he deserved to make the roster. He was. I mean, I was a Trey Sermon advocate in a way. I thought he was better than TDP, but mm-hmm. Jordan Mason was up there. He was better than both of them. I mean, he showcased his talents, and he showcased what he did in the regular season before the season started in the preseason and in training camp. And the number one question, obviously, with Mason, and I'd assume we don't see it behind closed doors during the season, but I'd assume was the, the main issue was uh, pass protection, obviously, because when you have a running back like him, you can call him a two-down running back, but also it might take away from some of the play-action stuff that San Francisco runs, which makes their system very, very solid. But still, I think that you can create that argument. As for some of the hesitancy to play, uh, to let rookies play through, I know Emiliano brought up Drake Jackson. I honestly thought it was more so Drake Jackson's um, endurance. I think that that might have dropped mm-hmm. in terms of his play strength. I think Jackson's a guy who um, we understood would be a project, but also a project with high upside, which is why he was such a valuable pick at 61. He's a guy who unfortunately had to go through at USC a bunch of play weight. Uh, like he, his weight was up and down fluctuating because they had him play different roles. Once he gets up a little more, uh, becomes a little stronger and also become, well, when you become a little stronger, you'll be a little better against the run. I think that yeah. that's the main thing that's lacking in this game. I think that that's why John Lynch expects a big time, uh, uh, big time increase in year two, not only in playing time, but also in production. I think that's the main thing for Jackson. But to me, I understand the 49er system is complex. Uh, offensively. Debo Samuel recounted it how really uh, there's a lot of complexity. Now, do I think Kyle Shanahan can make it easier to comprehend? Sure. Do I think that that might take away from part of his system? Yes. But I think at this point, the 49ers have a philosophy and have an understanding of what their team is and who they potentially lose to where they look to draft one year in the future. You talk about guys like Aaron Banks. You talk about the starters who you you maybe even tell no Hufunga, right, to replace Jaquaski Tart. Those type of players, the 49ers now have gotten into the mode. Nick Sakel might be one of those guys this year. You, you get into the mode of drafting in the future, and it. I think that teams start to do that understanding that your rookies, you have to make them fill a role, and you, you're you going to be dependent on them when you can't utilize the salary cap necessarily to do so. Uh, I think, though, that this one's a little more on 50-50 on because I do think that there are some examples where the rookies – you, you do let them play through things like Mason, but I also think the 49ers understand where their team is and aren't necessarily at a place where they have to let the rookies play through things. I think it more so applies to quarterbacks. As for Danny Gray, I thought the year was going to go as Danny Gray's year went. Based, Danny Gray was another project who I was high on coming into the draft. I, I really liked him because I thought the upside was there with the dra- with the speed. He isn't the best route runner, and I think that that's something where if you work in the San Francisco system for a year, it's something that you get to be better at because of how um, the you get to work in space. I think he's going to be poised for a bigger role. I'm excited to see what he does over the offseason and in the in the next season um, because he once he improves his route running, you utilize the speed with his route running. I think that that's going to be something that that's special, and I think San Francisco can develop a role with him as he also gets a little bigger and uh, is able to block better as well. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's every player is different. Every situation is different. Jordan Mason, to me, was a for sure th- third and short goal line running back. I mean, he, t- he's better than CMC. Yeah, that's at, fair. He's, that's be, fair. he's yeah. better than Elijah Mitchell and CMC, at, in my opinion. And, you know, 
Danny Gray. I think a lot of it is probably blocking, like you said, and route running. Um, I think blocking might have been more more so why he wasn't getting more reps. But then you also had Debo and you had Ayuk there, so it's hard to to get him involved. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, he, he did have a couple end rounds, and he gained a lot of. I think he had like one for what was it nine, twelve yards on the end round. Yeah, twelve, I think. At, like, and yeah. it was toward an end of a game, right? Yeah, so I would like to see more of that. But obviously, the 49ers are so deep. They have so many weapons. It's tough to get everybody involved. I'm not mad about Danny Gray. Um, Jordan Mason more so. I feel like there's a lot of opportunities they could have gave to Jordan Mason that they didn't, and particularly Trey Lance, I feel like, was a for sure wasted year by letting him sit. And I understand injuries had part to do with it, but I would have loved to see Trey Lance be the guy from, from week one for the 49ers. Yeah, I think that that's definitely fair. Um, To me – I, I thought it was an interesting topic. I think the like I've been a little bit of a proponent where I didn't mind that Garoppolo started. I understood it from the team's perspective, uh, understanding who Lance was going into the year. Now, would I have liked Lance to start year one? I would definitely. I, I would have been fine either way, in my opinion, because I thought the 49ers had a successful year, and we saw enough of Lance. Well, not enough, but we saw Lance and what he could be in certain spurts to where you could be confident in 2022. I thought that though, as well with the injury that ended up happening, it was fair to have Garoppolo play. And with the way the 49ers played down the stretch, it was fair to allow Garoppolo to be the starter. Now, did I think he was going to win the Super Bowl for the 49ers? No, I I don't, I think that ceiling was capped. I would have personally moved on after uh, like if it, when Brady was available in 2020, the 49ers, that quarterback situation, I think, has been Kyle Shanahan's biggest flaw, the failure to evaluate uh, at yeah. a high level because you don't have your situ- you don't have a formula like a, a guy ready in 2023. Your seventh yeah. year in, you say what you want about the rookies, they're still unknown commodities in a way in the NFL. So to me, it is definitely a, a topic, a, a hot, hotly addressed topic because the 49ers, well, here's how you know. Kyle Shanahan hasn't done it well. Here's how you know, my guy, Rohan. Here's how you know whether it was a good decision or not, right? Go for it. Have the 49ers won a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo? No. No. Where's Jimmy Garoppolo going right now? Somewhere else, right? Does Trey Lance have any experience? No. Would he have had more experience had he played? Yes. What does he need? Experience, right? So you can look back. Thankfully, this is not 2020 hindsight vision for me because I did say it up front. So I want to be clear about that. But when you look back on it, 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 it shows you that it was the wrong move to me. I think the evidence is clear. I think that that's fair. I, I do think he still learns a good amount in that year because when you see the development from week five to week 17, I thought it was fairly drastic, right, uh, in the way that he, he played. I think, it, though, that, like I said, I wouldn't have been mad if he started week one uh, had he been healthy. And I can definitely entertain the argument for it because, I mean – if you're being if you're being honest, experience is what Lance needed. And unfortunately, yeah. we're in a situation we're really in an unprecedented situation where you sit the guy, then start the guy and he plays five quarters and he ends up getting injured. So yeah. that's what leads up to 2023, the excitement mm-hmm. year where yeah. you finally get it unleashed. Yeah, I hope so, man. I'm looking forward. I mean, 49ers are always entertaining. You know, I don't know. The hard part for the 49ers is I want to see a Super Bowl. I want my kids to see a Super Bowl. I don't, you've never seen a Super Bowl in your life, right? A win, right? I imagine at your age. So it's like, I want that. That's what I want. It's Super Bowl or bust every year for me for 49ers. That's, that's how I look at them. I yeah. don't know right now whether Trey Lance or Brock Purdy are an elite quarterback. 
I don't know if the 49ers are going to have an elite offensive line. So for me, I going into this year, I'm not very confident that this is a Super Bowl winning team just because of those two things. Now, if they address the offensive line and I, we go into the season and like, okay, well, we upgraded that offensive line over last year. And if Trey Lance comes out and is playing his ass off, that's when I'm going to be really excited about where this team could go this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I mean, the quarterback discourse is always fun talking with you. You're, you're a guy who isn't afraid to share his opinions, and that's something I respect. I mean, even when we disagree uh, around uh, the yeah. topic, I definitely like hearing the perspective, like uh, really incorporating other perspectives into what I personally think as well. So, Ryan, I do appreciate your time today. Thank you for yeah. joining me. Uh, Want to give a shout-out to your channel before we head on out? Sure, yeah. You can follow me everywhere on Twitter and YouTube or wherever you want. It's all the same, at Ryan G. Hensley. That's the name of my channel. That's the name of my. That's the name of me on Twitter. And Rohan, I want to say something, man. You're Go one of it. my favorite people in this community by far. And I feel like you're one of the most intelligent as well. So when I disagree with you, even though I feel like I'm right, I'm probably wrong just because I know how smart you are, man. So, but thank you for having me on, and I really appreciate you. Hey, really appreciate the the compliment. Uh, definitely always uh, welcome back on the show, and appreciate you bringing me on yours as well. Guys in the chat, thank you guys for your questions and for your comments today as well on the Lamar Jackson Talk. We'll be back soon with some more content. Ryan, appreciate you. Guys, see you later. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.